Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. How in the hell is everybody doing? That was as close to a Mad Dog impression as I can get. I told I told the buddy of mine that I would try it out, and I did. How in the hell is everyone doing out there? My name, of course, is AJ Orsini, and I am your host for all things that pertains to this podcast. i got to come up with a big tagline. I've always had a tagline for everything that I've done, so i got to come up with something for the podcast. How the hell is everybody out there? Of course, we are here with episode two, Dose. This is the second time that I'm sitting in front of podcast equipment doing something, and hopefully you guys will enjoy it. But this is episode two, and last week was a whole lot of fun. It was uh, was nerve-wracking, but it was a whole lot of fun. I think mean, I, I got most jitters out for the first time around, or at least I'm hoping. Because I don't want to be jittery, I want to be loose, I want to be me, I want to be able to get in front of a microphone and just BS and talk a bunch of shit. Uh, shit, I just said shit. So once again, I, that was a reminder that I one of the things in my notes that I want to talk about. If you did not catch episode one, let's go over this again in episode two. I might do this at least for this episode and I think the next one too. Because I think it's really important for you guys to listen to the podcast and do understand. I curse. I curse a lot. <laughs> I, I do. I want you guys to be aware of this up front. Uh, I'm going to say things you may not like, but if you tend to disagree, that's cool. You can disagree. Just don't be an asshole about it. Just, you know, simply disagree. Uh, there's going to be a lot of t- subjects that I touch on. I may take some stances you may not like. That is cool. You are free to not subscribe or ever listen to my shit again. I don't know. Uh, I'm doing this podcast pretty much 77% for myself. Just as an outlet for me to do something cool and just fucking get my opinions out there. Just be heard to the two or three people that are probably listening to this shit. So, those are the rules and regulations that I laid out in the first episode. I am not going to sit here and BS a whole bunch on that. That is just something that I wanted you guys to know off the back in case you missed the first episode. Where can you catch the first episode if you missed it? Of course, ajoum.podbean.com. I am one of the newest members of the Podbean family. Extra happy about that. I've got no complaints so far. I was told to watch my ass when it comes to some of this stuff. Uh, but I am definitely having a good time so far, thus far, and I've had some positive feedback. I've had some negative feedback. I've had all around, uh, you know, a lot of engagement with people concerning the first episode. So for the second episode, I wanted to take it in a, a different direction. This is going to be like a very liquid form thing. Okay, I, I'm working on this as we go. I want to forget down to a format at some point where it's just perfect for me so i'm feeling shit out so on the last the last podcast uh, i laid out some rules and regulations to talked about some shit uh this particular podcast i'm going to talk about more shit 
especially some things that were that I've been dying to talk about for a long time, and hopefully you guys will interact with me online. You can question, you can send me questions, you can send me comments, you can send me statements, you can send me imperatives, you can send me whatever the hell you want. Uh, sans dick pics, don't need dick pics. Please leave the dick pics alone. Uh, you can send anything you want concerning the show or myself to AJ Orsini host. Oh, excuse me, AJ Orsini ninety six host. I know my email. I'm sure, AJ Orsini ninety six host at gmail dot com. I'd spell it for you, but why the fuck should I spend the time doing that? I did it in the first episode. Just figure that shit out. Eyeball that shit. I don't know what to tell you. AJ Orsini ninety six host at gmail dot com. You can email me there, and I will read your questions. I will read your statements. I will read your feedback on the air. You can do that, and we can have a conversation. Until then, I get it's me and this microphone and this wall that I'm staring in front of, which is cool because I got my Heineken right here. We're good to go. That's why you didn't hear the, the crack. I'm trying to do that each episode. I didn't have a crack, though, because I got this freaking bottle that the store sold me because they didn't have any fucking cans. So I'm with the bottle. We're sitting here chilling, and we're talking about a few things. And one of the things that I want to talk about, because I said in the first episode, this is not a wrestling-centric podcast. It will not be 100% pro wrestling. That is my background. That is who I am. It's my blood. It's in my veins. It's it's who Orsini is at his, at his apex. But uh, I have other interests in life. I have other things going on. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons I really haven't advertised this episode is because I've had a lot of personal things going on. My son has been sick for the last few days. Um, he's two. I know for, for those of you who are hearing this and learning for the first time that I have a son, yes, I, I am a dad. This crazy son of a bitch uh, procreated. Uh, he's a pretty cool kid, two years old, and he has been sick as a goddamn dog for the last two or three days. Days! I have not slept in days, and this Heineken is making it extra sleepy. He's good now. Uh, he's had a pretty good day so far today. Uh, and by the way, I'm filming this uh, on Wednesday. I'm cutting it awfully freaking close. I'm trying to keep my recordings to Tuesday, but Wednesday seems to be the day uh, this particular week because there was a lot of things going on. I had my son in, in the emergency room. Uh, my wife's been making plans uh, due to this whole uh Excuse me, this whole Puerto Rico situation. Um, my wife's uh, grandmother lives in Puerto Rico. We've been trying to reach out to her. We finally have a consistent communication thing going on, and she's going to head over to Puerto Rico sometime in November. So uh, there's been a lot going on at the House of O here, uh, House of Orsini is what I'm calling my house, House of O. Uh, there's been a lot of activity this week on a personal level. So there's been a lot of shit going on. Uh, but in between, I've had a lot of shit on my mind, and I'd like to I'd like to get that shit off my chest and talk about some stuff and use this what it was built for, and that's as an outlet. My wife has graced me with an hour or two to sit down with you, so I'm going to utilize that. Uh, this will get more prepared and better along the way. Hopefully, episode three will rock your fucking socks off. Uh, episode two, uh, bear with me because there's a lot of shit going on. So, having said all that. As I am filming this, I do believe first pitch has been thrown. The New York Yankees are hosting the Houston Astros in the 2017 American League Championship Series. What a fucking game yesterday. Uh, the comeback late into the game. Astros really look like they're going to break it open with the, with all their ducks on the pond. They bring in three runs, and then the Yankees just opened up the fattest can of whoop-ass. And it got me thinking. Uh, this is actually not a topic that I wanted to touch in Episode 2, but it got me thinking. Uh, probably now would be the best time right up front for all of you guys. I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm from New York. I am not a New York Yankee fan. I am actually a Met fan. 
Uh, I am actually the fan of uh, a lot of teams for a lot of different sports, so I thought it would be interesting to go ahead and lay my allegiances on the line right now. I wanted to go on. I, I'm, I'm keeping track of all these episodes. These are kind of like my audio diary, so I'm keeping track of all the things that I'm saying on here, and I, I'm one of these individuals. I like to stay claim. I like to, I don't like to dilly dally, and I don't want to be a bandwagon fan. To me, a bandwagon fan is the most disgusting thing you possibly can be. You know, just kind of following the wave and the trend. That's not me. I like to be solid and behind a particular team. Uh, I acknowledge football. I have a favorite football team, a favorite baseball team. I have a favorite hockey team. I, I want that known for the record. And a favorite basketball team. We're going to touch on baseball for the second, for the moment, since that seems to be the hot topic here. The Houston Astros, and the, like I said, the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees right now competing for the ALCS, and uh, the winner will be heading into the World Series. And the reason why I, 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 I say I could still say it's an amazing game. I'm an adult now. I'm 34 years old. I can see to her and say, yeah, it's 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 a lot of magic. What happened last night was magic, and I've seen this magic in person because a little-known fact about myself, I actually worked in Yankee Stadium. Yes, I'm a Mets fan that worked in Yankee Stadium. City Field wasn't hiring. I don't know what to tell you. Yankee Stadium was, and I was working in Yankee Stadium. I worked one full season in Yankee Stadium, and the one full season that I worked at Yankee Stadium was 2009. That is the year that they purchased, I mean, acquired certain talents, like C.C. Sabathia, A.J. Burnett, and then, you know, Mark Teixeira, and they went and they purchased, uh, they won the World Series in 2009. So I, uh, the, you couldn't really call out for those days. I mean, the way that the stadium worked, you had to attend every game, otherwise that would be pretty much be the end of you, that probably be no return for you. So I worked all 82 games of the home schedule for 2009. I worked every postseason game. I worked the World Series. I worked the parade for the World Series. So when I sit here and tell you that last night felt like fucking magic, believe me when I tell you because I've seen these fucking people experience magic. I can openly admit I don't feel like I took a magical ride in 2009. As a matter of fact, if you're a real baseball fan, then you know my pain when I sit here and tell you I was in Yankee Stadium the day that Louis Castillo dropped the ball. And prior to him dropping the ball, you couldn't find a motherfucker talking more shit about the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. As a Met fan, okay? As a fuck, I'm a Met fan. I'm wearing a Yankee staff badge, but I'm a fucking Met fan. And I always made it clear, I never, you, there was never a fucking day in the stadium where I was sitting here rah-rah for the Yankees. And the fans knew it, especially the regulars. They respected me. They said, okay, he's a Mets fan, but he's a cool dude. So I never caught shit until the Louis Castillo day. Oh, yeah. I was talking shit for eight goddamn innings, man. I was getting, I was popping champagne. I, w I felt like we were about to win the World Series. Then <laughs> Louis Castillo drops the ball, A-Rod and Teixeira, excuse me, A-Rod, uh, bets in Teixeira, and I forgot who the second run was, and uh, Yankees win in the ninth. And when I tell you that the whole section that I was happened to be standing by, when those two runs scored, turned around and all eyeballed me, let me tell you, that was the longest fucking four-train ride of my entire goddamn life. I had to take the, the trip from 164th in the Bronx. If you know nothing about New York, 
164th Street in the Bronx, 4 train, down to Franklin Ave to transfer to a 2 to take my ass home. That is a one hour and change train ride. And let me tell you, there were Yankee fans that rode the train from the 4 all the fucking way down. That was the longest fucking train ride of my entire life. And the reason that I say that is because Yankee fans have a bit of a reputation. And it's not so much that they enjoy winning. I'll put it to you like this. The best meme I've ever seen in my life. It's not so much that I should succeed. Everyone around me should fail. That's like the mantra of a Yankee fan. It's kind of why I became a Met fan. When I was a kid, my dad was a Met fan. And I got to admit, you know, I loved the orange and blue look. I don't know. I was a kid. I was like, what, seven, eight years old? I loved it. And seven or eight years, no, excuse me. Three. I was three when they won the 86 World Series. So in the 80s, the Mets were kind of, you know, the team. So I was kind of on that bandwagon. And then in the 90s, the Yankees had this surge, you know, the Yankee dynasty. And that was the exact reason I stayed a Mets fan. Dear God, can you, I don't think, if, unless you lived in the five boroughs in the 90s, you have no idea how fucking unbearable it was. To be a non-Yankee fan. Like, if you were a Yankee fan, that shit was bliss. You were having orgasms. Just every fucking year was another fucking orgasm. It just didn't matter who they were putting in front of you. The Yankees were just having magic, and they were just winning fucking games. And last night was a little bit of that magic. So I have to give props to the Yankees. They, they played a hell of a game. They have a young, rambunctious team. The plan was not to be in the ALCS, and it looks like if they keep playing the way they're playing... They might play themselves into the World Series. So I'm I'm older now. I'm a little bit more mature. Had this been the 90s, I would have basically told the Yankees to go fuck themselves. But they provided me with a paycheck. So I will at least give them the benefit of the doubt of success. Uh, so that's that. I'm not entirely sure what the score is at the moment. I'm filming and, and doing the podcast thing. Uh, so I don't know what's going on as far as that game at the moment. But let's talk sports allegiances. I want to put my stamp on it right now. Okay, the four major sports. This is where I land. Are they all New York teams? Yes. Why are they all New York teams? I'm from New York. This is basic fucking knowledge. There are New Yorkers. Not just New Yorkers. This is kind of becoming a trend now. With the advent of the internet, and there's, you have access to all these different things. It's football, the NFL package. You get a lot more exposure to teams. When I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the Chicago Bears or the Tampa Bay Bucks. Or the Houston Oilers, which is what they were when I was a fucking kid. You didn't have a whole lot of fucking access to these teams, you know. So, I, you know, I became a Giants fan. But what kills me, literally burns a fucking hole in me, is to have New Yorkers who are my fucking age, who are Cowboy fans, or Eagle fans, or Patriot fans. To, to me, it just bothers me. I don't know. To each his own. I don't really, you know, it's, I don't even have an effective reason as to why it fucking bothers me. It just fucking bothers me. I don't know. This fucking drives me up a fucking wall. Uh, my brother is a fucking cowboy fan. Now, my brother, I understand why. Because when he was when when he was younger, uh, he was born in 88. So he remembers like the early 90s of football. And the early 90s of football was pretty much what? Niners, Cowboys, Packers, uh, Favre, and, you know, Emmett Smith days, the Aikman days. So the Cowboys were like a really successful team or whatever. So he just kind of lashed himself onto the Cowboys. Cool, whatevs. But he knows on game day, I'm a Giants guy. And he's a Cowboy guy. 
Okay. When we were kids, it was a little bit more tough. As adults, we can uh, we can have our differences. So I'm a New York Giant fan. And I know that at this moment, that is a tough pill to swallow. One in five, not doing very well. I understand that. But I've had so many positive memories with the Giants, I'm not even concerned about that. I, I, I'm good. They gave me 2007. They gave me 2011, brother. And I know that was 10 years ago and seven years ago or whatever. I'm cool. I'm cool. We'll figure it out. I, I, my organization has a reputation of figuring things out. So I'm, I'm good with that. Uh on the hockey level, let me just let me just preface this by saying, honestly, now I'm not the biggest hockey guy. As far as following it, I still respect the sport. When I can catch a game or two, it's entertaining as fuck. I love hockey. I've played hockey. I I, I just love the sport, and I'm a Ranger guy. Just am i don't know it's just again it's what you have exposure to I, i've always witnessed ranger the two teams that i've always seen the most rangers and the devils but i had a friend who's like a huge devil fan he was kind of an asshole so i always just kind of tried to go against him that's kind of how the ranger thing happened so rangers guy okay and i saved basketball for last and the reason why i saved basketball for last is because it's probably my favorite sport to to watch and to participate in. It's like my it's my favorite sport. <laughs> All around. It's my favorite sport. It's basketball. And uh, I have the unfortunate responsibility. And uh, unfortunate uh, uh, situation, I guess you could say. Of being a Nick fan. I am a Nick fan. And uh, I, I don't have any words for that. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're in your early 20s, I guess like. It's hard, I guess, for you to be a Nick fan. Like it, it's hard. It wasn't hard for me to be a Nick fan when I was a kid. When I was a kid, the Knicks were the shit. I mean, Ewing, Oakley, Smith, Starks, Harper. I mean, we were just fucking stacked. I mean, coming off the bench. I mean, we were just deep as fuck. I loved that fucking Nick line from from the fucking early to mid uh Early to mid nineties, like the late nineties teams were good. The Charlie Ward days and the fucking Latrell Sprewell days, they were all right. You know, Allen Houston and his riggedy old knees, like those were good times, I guess. But uh, like the early fucking nineties for me was like, okay, I became a Nick fan, and I'm the kind of person that once I stamp my fucking flag, it doesn't really move. I've regretted that decision ever since because I wish I could move that fucking flag. I really do wish that I could be a fan of another fucking team, but I don't. I just don't have it in me to do. Uh. So those are my allegiances to the four major sports. Uh, those are the four major sports that eventually I will be getting more specific into and talking about as the show progresses. Again, this is not just uh, wrestling. It's not even just sports. There's going to be other stuff talked about. I mean, there's a lot of things on my mind, you know, coming up. There's a bunch of movies that I want to talk about coming out. I mentioned on the first podcast, I have a a piece about TV shows that I'm going to be putting together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I just recently got more information equipment-wise on getting together my uh, my interview stuff. So I'm going to be having a guest soon. I don't know if I'll be having it in time for Episode 3, but I'll be making an announcement sometime in line on Episode 4 or 5. Very soon. Um, trying to get different voices in here, trying to get different conversations started, and definitely trying to entertain you on another level, not just myself. This is my project, this is my baby, but I want to include 
about as many people into this process as uh, as humanly possible. So um, those are my sports allegiances. I wish the Yankees and the Astros, for that matter, good luck tonight. I really hope that uh, no injuries occur coming fresh off of that Haywood injury at the Celtics game. The Celtics and Cavs tipped off yesterday and started the NBA season. Uh, with that gruesome injury, I, I wish him and his family the best. And I uh, hope everyone goes out there and they're safe tonight. So uh, that's it on that. And I'm going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about this brand new way for you to be transported from place to place. And I'll be back in a second. Orsini here. And right now, I want to talk to you guys about Chauffeur Travel Solutions. With a strong background in the hospitality industry, the founders of CTS recognized the need for a transportation company which utilized modern technology and implemented it to an existing platform to better serve the needs of passengers traveling to their hotel or city destinations. Chauffeur Travel Solutions seeks to find the best qualified drivers along with the newest vehicles to serve their guests. Unlike most traditional transportation companies, CTS strives to cater to a guest's specific needs to ensure ultimate satisfaction as they look to build a long-term relationship with you, the client. They offer all kinds of late model sedans, luxury sedans, SUVs, limousines, shuttle buses, I mean anywhere from 10 to 54 passenger vehicles, each providing comfortable seating, air conditioning, a plush leather interior, dark tinted windows, reading lights, I mean even refreshments upon request. Go to www.mylimousinedriver.com. That's mylimousinedriver.com to get your quotes. You can make your reservations. If not the website, you can also check out CTS on social media by looking up Facebook, Chauffeur Travel Solutions, Instagram, Chauffeur Travel Solutions, and of course on Twitter at CTS Ride. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is about that time. It's time for me to sprinkle all of you with a little a little knowledge, okay? I am going to do something that I've been wanting to do a long time. It is time to educate all of you. I have to educate all of you because I am taking far too many hits on the social media. I'm taking far too many hits in the locker room. And I'm getting sick of it. It is about that time. It's time to set the record straight. It's time for me to talk about one man. Yeah. One man And the only reason The only reason that I call him a man Is because that is the only way That your feeble little minds Can comprehend him as an entity Man that's all you can that's all you can fathom. You can't fathom any more than that. If I throw in there that he is the modern day Maharaja, you will have you 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 all boo. You sneer. You turn your nose down at it. Disgusting. Now I know 
that when I say these things on social media, people think I'm being tongue-in-cheek. I'm being cute. Trolling, I was accused of. I'm trolling. I was told on social media, there's no way that you can possibly like this guy as WWE champion. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Absolutely, I do. And the biggest, there's many reasons. I'm not even going to say the biggest just yet. I'm saving that bullet. But the one of the main things that I can say is why not? Why not? Because every time I say why not, I get the same responses. He's a jobber. He's a jabron. He has one of the worst win-loss records in, than any WWE champion ever. Probably the worst win-loss record of any WWE champion ever in the history of all times. Ever. Of all times. Well, my response to that is very simply, who gives a flying fuck? Because it's amazing to me how the whole it's a work mantra works when it fits the narrative. Okay? When it's something people want to believe then it's cool. You could enjoy Joey Ryan dick-flipping people. You could enjoy a spot with all the acrobatics in the world because it's, what, is it, what am I always told? It's a different flavor of wrestling. wrestling. Wrestling's meant to be fun. You can have fun. You need to be more creative with wrestling. You need to give us something that we... We don't see coming. And then they gave you something you didn't see coming. And you sneered. And you booed. And you turned your cheek. Well, I say to all you naysayers, you've been learning over the last hundred plus days what happens when you hinder gender. And it's not good. At least not for your heroes. I can understand the reason why you don't like Jinder Mahal. I get it. It's not just the win-loss record. I mean, look at the guy perform. He doesn't do a 450 splash off of the top of a cage. This guy doesn't do 13 Topeka helos through the ropes every, every 15 seconds. He wasn't a former member of the Bullet Club. Jinder Mahal wasn't slumming it and getting $50 a pop at your local indie and didn't do that for 13,000 years before he finally got signed? I get it. I understand. I know why you don't like gender. But here's here's why I like gender. It wasn't just, it wasn't like he, he fell out of the fucking sky and all of a sudden just became in favor. Like people say, oh, he's on steroids. He's got breasts now, so Vince is getting all his jollies off on the Indian guy. You know how many bodybuilders have come through the WWE that were never WWE champion? When you get a chance, Google Baracus in the WWE. You want to talk about Vince McMahon getting a chubby. There's a guy that struck his fancy. And you probably don't even know his name. There's a long list of those, by the way. Okay. Mason Ryan. You remember Mason Ryan? Probably not. 
There's a long list of guys that had the body, but they didn't get the belt. No, but but Chinder did. And we can all look at the win-loss record and say, well, he's done so many jobs. He's been built up poorly. He went from losing in 30 seconds to Finn Balor to winning a number one contendership match and beating the Viper for the championship. It's unbelievable. I can't I can't see him as a credible champion. He's just lost so many damn matches. But I thought it was a work. That's what I thought. That's what I'm always being told. No. Well, let's talk about Jinder Mahal for a second. Realistically. Not not win-loss records. Let's talk about Jinder Mahal. The man. Just for a second. Right, you you guys know that he was born into this business, right? You guys know that he's the nephew of, of a legendary wrestler, Gemma Singh from Stampede Wrestling. Stam, Stampede Wrestling, that's the old uh, Stu Hart company up in Calgary. You know, Calgary, Dramatic Paws, Alberta, Canada, where the hearts are, where, the, where a long list of wrestlers have trained and become legends in this business yeah that's where he's from that's that's what he grew up being around and then in his mid-20s he debuts in the wwe and debuts directly not directly excuse me he debuts with fcw and then duels directly to tv on smackdown in 2011 where he debuts with the great Khali. now you can say whatever you want about the great Khali. But I'll call him former world champion as well. That's where they debuted him. And you know what happened in his WWE career? Yeah, he floundered. He floundered. He was young. He didn't have the dedication. As a matter of fact, his exact words, his exact words, if you look up his podcast with Talk is Jericho and he opens up about his Right before his release, he starts talking about his mentality and everything that was going on and everything that was going on backstage. And he starts talking about the 3MB deal with him and Drew McIntyre and Heath Slater. After a while, he lost confidence in himself. He gave up. He didn't care. He let himself go. He just didn't have it in him. His self-confidence was through the floor. And you know what happens to talented people who have no confidence, who have no backbone, and have no care in the fucking world, I'll tell you what happens, because I see it every day. They become a promoter's dream. You know why? Because the guy can fucking work, and he knows, and he believes in his heart. He's a jobber. So you know what you do? You use him as a fucking jobber. You put him in the ring, and you use him to put over all the guys that you want to make stars. And you know what happens to Jinder? He gets lost in the shuffle. But you know what happens backstage? He gains respect. That's what happens backstage. You can't find a guy who works with Jinder Mahal that doesn't have a decent Jinder Mahal story or doesn't think he's a great guy. He's a great fucking guy. Have I met him personally? No. But I've met a ton of people who do, and they tell me he's a great fucking guy. There's a lot of guys who are in this business, who are the real experts in this business that love the fact that he's in this position because they feel he deserves it. Now, after everything I just described, how do you deserve it? Well, let's get to that. Because after the 3MB fiasco, and trust me, it was a fiasco, I can admit that, you're talking to somebody who was in the building for WLC, 
Okay? I was in the building for that. So, yes, I know it was bad. But 2014, he was released, toiling in the Indies, letting himself go. And then all of a sudden, bing, like a light went off, he decided, fuck this. I'm going to start doing my own thing, and I'm going to get better. I'm going to take care of myself physically. I'm going to take care of myself mentally, and I'm going to start working hard. And after he decided to make this commitment to himself, things started to change. You know, it's funny. Positivity has a way of doing that to people. It changes them. Okay? So the body started to change. The mentality started to change. The work ethic started to change. He started traveling around, gaining more worldwide experience. Not just in his home country of India, which is technically not really his home country, but it's one that he considers home, and that counts for me. But he went to Canada as well, which is his home country. He traveled to India. He also went down to Puerto Rico. He took trips to Europe. Jinder Mahal got around and learned the business to the point where the WWE shocked everybody by calling him back but that first impression was already made so from the moment of his debut there was the mentality again it's Jinder Mahal we'll job him out we'll put over the stars hey hey we don't really have a legit contender for the for the Andre the Giant Battle Royal so let's give it to some guy that we know we're going to try to push and make something out of, and we'll use Jinder to get him there. So Mojo Raleigh goes over at WrestleMania. And who's there? Jinder Mahal. And of course, Rob Gronkowski is involved, hence the media attention. No problem. But it's media attention nonetheless. And where did Mojo Raleigh wind up? Oh, that's right. Nobody knows. But all along the way, it's always Jinder always manages to find himself in the mix. And then one day, that work ethic, that positivity, that change, it was noticed. It was noticed by somebody who matters. And that somebody is Vince McMahon. You know, the one who signs the checks. He noticed Jinder Mahal. And now we find ourselves in the position. And I find this story very, very interesting because it's a story that I've heard before. One of my favorite versions of this story is by a little guy named John. I recall John Bradshaw Layfield in a very similar situation. Toiling. Toiling. You can call the APA success if you want, but prior to the APA, prior to that, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, big, rugged, tough guy, couldn't get over a fucking lick. I mean, it got to the point where the guy was a tag team with Taka Michinoku. Like a regular fucking tag partner of Taka Michinoku. They didn't know what to do with him. Then they paired him with Farouk. Magic was made. He did a hell of a job. They both did. It was a great fucking tag team. It was one of the greatest WWE tag teams of all time. But that was the next problem. Then Bradshaw became a tag team guy. That's what he is. He's a tag team guy. And then something changed. All of Bradshaw's personal things became public. 
All of a sudden, Bradshaw's got a book. All of a sudden, Bradshaw's sharing stock info. All of a sudden, Bradshaw finds himself on MSNBC and, and CNN. And he's talking. He's talking finances, not just not just with 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 people, your average everyday people, but with the people in the know. He's talking to stockbrokers. He's talking to Wall Street execs. He's discussing money. What was it he said back in the day? A successful stock portfolio, eight out of eight straight years. You know who took notice of that? Vince McMahon. You know what happened to Bradshaw after Vince took notice of that? Well, that's right. Ironically enough, from a tag team straight to WWE champion. So there's precedent, folks. There's precedent. Okay? And you can sit here and tell me, well, Bradshaw's Bradshaw. Guy's a hell of a talker. At least he wasn't the best worker in the world, but he was a hell of a talker. At least he could talk. Ginger can't talk. Ginger can't work. Ginger can't. Ginger can do everything that anyone is supposed to do in that situation. Which brings me to the next point and the final point that I'm going to bring up about this because I'm getting long-winded talking about this. I'm about through with bad guys being cool. I'm about through with it. I've been through with it for a long fucking time. Everybody wants to be The Rock. Well, 1999 was a long fucking time ago, and I'm about through with it. I'm about ready for my heels to be fucking heels. You don't like the way gender talks. Perfect. You don't like the way he wrestles. Perfect. Because he doesn't do a fucking moonsault. Because he doesn't hit combination moves. Because he doesn't kick out of 15 fucking finishers. You're disappointed in the way that he performs. Perfect. I like the way he fucking wrestles. For a bad guy whose whole job is to make the baby face look like an amazing baby face, he's done that two times over every time. Now, if the matches haven't been good overall, hey, that's a two-way street. If you're feeding a guy offense who doesn't have a whole lot of offense, reconfigure your match. But for the most part, as a heel, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. And the proof is in the pudding, folks, because they're announcing now. We're not announcing, but Jinder's made the challenge. He wants Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series? Champion versus champion. The WWE champion against the WWE Universal champion. And everyone's first reaction is, shit, Jinder better not fucking win this. Oh, so you're giving him a chance. Is that where we're at? Is that where we're at? Because six months ago, the reaction would have been, holy fuck, what an easy night for Brock. Now the reaction is, fuck, Jinder better not fucking win. Guess what, folks? He is going to fucking win. Yes, he is. I'm saying it right here on episode two or CD's Uncensored Mind, and I might be wrong, but I'm going to go ahead on the limb and just say Jinder has to win this match. And it's not to validate himself, because once again, his peers, his peers respect him, okay? You think for one second that all the media attention he's gotten as WWE champion hasn't been working in his favor? Articles in New York Times, USA Today, Forbes Magazine talking about Jinder Mahal. The country of Canada, the providence of Alberta, 
taking time out of their legal address to announce his WWE championship win. 10 sports over in India pushing the product every day because their man is champion. You think these things aren't racking up points backstage? No, folks, this is for real. This is for real. 100 plus days. He's surpassed many legendary champions as far as this reign has come. You don't have to like him. You don't. You can sit here and you can say, I'm not a fan of his style. I'm not a fan of what he does. I'm not a big Jinder Mahal guy. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. You're a fan and you're free to think however you want and you're free to like whoever you want. But when you start coming up to me saying he doesn't deserve to be the champion, you know how many cunt, just cunt punching jerk-offs get opportunities in this business? Far too many. So, for the record, I would just like to say, I'll root for the nice guy who busts his ass in the gym, who diets, who works hard, who is humble, and has the respect of his peers over a guy that just happens to have talent. I'll root for that guy. And that's why vehemently I push this shit on social media. I don't work for the fucking WWE. I don't have any fucking financial gain in this. If Jinder Mahal becomes champion, who gives a shit if he becomes champion? That's not my fucking that's not coming out of my fucking pocket. I push it because we needed a new face at the top. And granted, granted, I will I will concede there were some other options. I would have taken Rusev in this position. That's the one that I always gets thrown at me, and I will concede that. I would have taken Rusev in this position, and maybe Rusev would have been better suited for it, considering at least he's had a push in the past. There's there's precedent for Rusev as a top guy. Sure, I would have taken that, but they didn't do that. They went with Jinder Mahal. They wanted someone fresh, they wanted someone new, and they wanted someone that would move the needle. Someone that would make money. And Jinder has made money. Jinder has moved the needle. You may not like him, but you're talking about him. And that's the point. With the way things are going in the WWE, any little bit counts. And trust me, Jinder is helping more than a little bit. Hey guys, Orsini here. And I'm not what you would call in air quotes, avid reader but i recently stumbled upon something that's not just great but freaking awesome it's called underground adventures volume one and it's beautifully written by up-and-coming author jose a rivera it has not one not two not three but four exhilarating stories all wrapped into one book you can follow the adventures of stimulating characters such as diner cashier harry kenyon student of the occult gideon blackwell Rookie Thief Spencer Davis and Paranormal Inquisitor Joshua Stern as they not only attempt to figure out their predicaments but survive them as well. This is entertainment that won't break the bank either. I've placed links in the description for you to learn more about the book 
or get a hold of a hard copy for only eight bucks by searching for the book on lulu.com. That's lulu, L-U-L-U.com. And for you 2017 people, for you Kindle users out there, a quick Amazon.com search and this book will be yours for just one dollar. That's right, one dollar. You are robbing the bank. You're stealing from Peter here. These stories are a steal for this price, so go and check them out. So we're back, and I'm going to start it off with this, okay? I'm going to give it to you flat out. I'm going to open this whole thing up right now with a statement. And that statement being, I'm not a political guy. It's not, and it's not feigned ignorance. It's it's not like I'm trying to sound cool, or it's it's not me sitting here trying to say, oh, fuck politics. I don't give a shit about politics. I legitimately just don't have an extensive knowledge on it. I see things, I hear things, I read things, I make an informed opinion on those things. I mean, not an informed, I make an educated guess, basically, on some of the things that I see, and I go from there. So I don't really have a whole lot of things um, to back up a lot of the feelings that I have on things that I hear. Uh, I'm not going to do a whole segment on the president, that would be a waste of my time and basically all of yours because, I mean, you can just go on any social media format right now and just see a million things on that. So that's 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 not what I'm going to do. But it's kind of why I'm bringing it up because you're not going to see a whole lot of that shit from me, okay? I, I'm not really big and heavy on the politics. Would I love to know more about it? As an adult now, yeah, I probably should know a little bit more about it, especially since I had a kid. And, and, and hope to have more kids down the line. So I, I definitely should know what's going on on that front. But having said that, not being that informed on the political front, when I see basic human things that bother me, I feel I do have some wiggle room as a person to say some things now there's a a lot going on that are considered political that i wouldn't necessarily consider them political at least i don't and at least i don't think we as a society would have not that long ago but things like kneeling for the national anthem things like rescue packages or or assistance for foreign countries or even domestic countries like puerto rico and and all the las vegas shootings and all these different things that have become political and i started realizing and maybe it's just me maybe it's always been this way and maybe i'm just late to the fucking party about this but it just seems like everything is political now i can't have an opinion about anything I can't have an, uh, an opinion about the gender situation. I can't have an opinion on anything involving mental illness. I I can't have an I can't have an opinion on jack shit because it's either offensive or uninformed, which I already admit admitted to on the pol- on the political end that it's uninformed, or just ignorance or racist or bigotry or it just uh, it just seems like there's a whole bunch of shit that comes your way whenever you have a thought in your fucking head. So the main thesis here, the main point of what I'm trying to say in this segment is, is 
free speech is awesome until somebody uses it against you and then you don't like it right that seems to be the path for everything nowadays everything's political everything's offensive everything's on the on the up and up here at Orsini's Uncensored Mind, I would like to think that I have the format to say the things that I believe and say the things that I feel that are from the heart. Not from the mind, but from the heart. I'm not a very from-the-mind guy. My mind is always filled with other shit. I always have a bunch of other people's shit in my head. A lot of my beliefs a lot of my thoughts and a lot of my views on things genuinely come from the heart. I'm not a sexist person. I love women. I respect women. I, re I treat them as equals because to me, they are equals. I never even thought to treat them otherwise. My wife and I have been together for 14 years. We've been married for uh, eight of those years. We have a son together. We met when we were very young. My wife was 18 years old. I was 20. And we started this relationship off very young. And we're now in our 30s and we're still going. Happily. We have our situations. But we're a happy couple. So I would like to think that my wife is my partner. My equal. I have never had. I mean ever. In 14 years. I've never had any difference of opinion on that i'm not a racist i am personally multi-ethnic i have many ethnic backgrounds and cultural backgrounds i have puerto rican black italian and chinese and i've been exposed to a lot of different cultures in my youth because of that and i've lived in new york so obviously every other fucking block is another culture so i've kind of always been racially sensitive i think again i've never really thought otherwise do I joke with my friends? You know, I yeah, spick, uh, guido, nigger. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I joke with my friends all the time. My friends joke with me. We go back and forth. Eh, we keep it private, but for the most part, you're not going to see me on social media. All oh, these fucking gooks over there or whatever the fuck. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate that way because I know that it's an offensive thing. So I've always hinged it. It's always been something that I will, you know, I'll joke with people who get that it's a joke and then I'll keep it serious with people who keep it serious. I don't think I'm alone in this at all. I don't consider myself a very offendable person. I've been called a million things. I've been told a million things. Uh, I've never really gotten that offended by basically anything. Have I experienced racism in my lifetime? A little bit here and there, sure. I think people sometimes find it hard to be racist toward me to, because of by multi-ethnicity i'm a very light colored guy but i'm also not exactly white so it's like it's like a thin it's like a thin wall i guess i've never really experienced that much racism in my lifetime uh have i experienced seeing it done to other people absolutely to family members absolutely to personal friends absolutely so i've seen it i've experienced it but on a personal level for me it's very limited I don't consider myself racist. When opinions are shared on things, I consider myself in the middle a lot of times. Cops. That's a very heated conversation right now. Cops. I, When I was a kid, and, and my friends who are cops know this, when I was a kid, I fucking hated cops. I hated them. 
I never had a good experience with any of them. All right? Even when I wasn't being arrested by them, I never had a good experience with any of them. Truth, this is my relationship with cops. Truth, this is truth. When I used to live in Connecticut, and I'm not going to give the city name because I don't want a bunch of fucking problems at this point because it's a long time ago. I used, There was a particular town in Connecticut that I used to live in where I used to buy my weed way back when I was a smoker. This was years ago. I used to buy my weed from cops. This is the truth. This is a true story. I would buy my weed from cops. And nine times out of ten, they were selling me bags that they confiscated from other dudes in the same fucking neighborhood. And these are facts. Because these are the things that they were telling me. These are things that are documented. Okay? So, my relationship with cops, never fucking good. But as I got older, I started meeting cops. I started learning more about cops. I have friends, close, personal friends of mine that are police officers. So for me to go on social media, and you can go on my Facebook, and you can go on my Twitter, and you can go on my Instagram, and you'll know I've never once, once, once said a fucking negative thing about the cops. But I've also never said anything positive about them. I'm kind of in the middle because I understand that there is a negative stigma attached to police officers. But I also understand that there's a positive side to it as well. I have friends, close personal friends of mine that I know are good men. And one in particular is a female, a family member of mine, who is a good cop. And male and my friends who are cops that are good cops. I know. I see them on a daily basis doing their job. I know they're good cops. So for so for the few people out there that say, well, cops are idiots, and then the Arcana argument comes out and says, well, not all cops are idiots. I'm on, I'm on that side. Not all cops are idiots. Are there a few bad apples? Sure. But guess what? There's a few bad bank tellers. There's a few bad doctors. There's a few bad bowlers. There's a few bad everything. Humanity sucks. We're, we're surrounded by a fucking cesspool of people. There's bad versions of every profession. There's bad firefighters. There's bad taxidermists. There's bad versions of people. That's just what it is. There's good versions as well. And for the people that sit here and say, well, if they were good ones, they'd rat out the bad ones. You're full of shit. And for the same reason that the, those other jobs that I mentioned don't rat out the bad ones is because you're really worried about yourself and you're trying to get yourself fucking home at night. I would much rather my friends keep that shit to themselves and get home than fight a political battle and a behind-the-scenes battle with the police. Because that's how fucking people come up missing. Again, my opinion. You don't have to like it. But I want my friends to come home. I want my family to come home. So I'll never sit here and actually say, fuck the police, fuck cops, I hate cops. You'll never hear me say it. Do I hate certain cops that do certain stupid shit? Like, for instance, cops that get caught on camera doing malicious shit? Hell yes. That's why with the kneeling in the NFL and the kneeling in the protesting, I'm with that. I'm for that. Because I know what they're trying to state. I know specifically what the conversation is, and I'm for it. Do I, Am I against police? Not at all. Not even close. I could never be mad at the police, not just for family and friends, but I could definitely tell you right now, I, I, I've had too many situations with them where it's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. I can never fully fucking hate them. I just can't. 
And that and that's what this piece right now is all about. The ability to express that because I don't feel like I can. That's why here in this platform I'm doing it. And whatever happens, happens. But it, it, I just feel like I won't be able to look at myself in the mirror that if I keep continuously hiding within the shadows and not taking a fucking stand. And I still don't feel like what I just said was taking a stand because I'm still saying I'm kind of in the middle. But those are the facts. That's life. Not everything is black and white. You're going to have your, your conservative conservative ideas. You're going to have your liberal ideas. You're going to be you're, you're always going to find yourself somewhere in the middle on something. And that's just the way that it is. And that's why this is a form that I have decided to take to to go ahead forward and, and just say these things out loud. And you're getting it from my voice and my tone of voice. And hopefully I'm projecting myself as a serious topic here because I feel like sometimes if you fit it in 140 characters, it just doesn't convey it. So that's why I took the chance and I took the time to do it here. Because I think here we find ourselves in a, in a much, I don't, I don't know, a, a much safer environment. I've already tagged this show uncensored. This is me being me. This is me being visceral and just giving it to you the way that I feel like I need to say it. Because I, I can't go on social media. I can't look at things like the Las Vegas shooting and type in a few words how I feel about it because it's just, just so many emotions going through me. That 50 plus people deserve to die. That 500 plus people deserve to be injured at the hands of a madman with a gun. No. But when you have a situation where he's a white guy who was well off financially, who had resources and literally just he just didn't fit the profile of the person we're supposed to hate We're supposed to hate certain people whenever a mass shooting or whenever a, a terrorist attack or whenever we have a, a, a situation where humanity turns at its worst, we're supposed to find the villain. And because there really wasn't someone to find, we didn't know what to do. There was actually a guy and I, I'll post the link to it in, in uh, if I can find it. I'm going to try to find it and I'll post it with this episode. There was actually a link on Fox News where a guy was actually saying, you know, he's not your prototypical mass shooter. We don't know what to hate about him. You know, the guy that just killed 50 plus people and injured 500 more. We They couldn't figure out what to hate. He's not Islamic. He's not from a low income house. He's not brown. What do we dislike about this guy? And that was the one thing I did put on my Facebook status. That was the one thing that I did mention. It's very hard to hate someone that you're programmed not to hate. You're not programmed to hate that person. Those are the people that could... It, the Las Vegas situation proved that it could be anybody. It could be anybody, anywhere. If you look at the guy's history, you 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 don't see the angst. You don't see the, the the reasoning behind this. He just snapped one fucking day and did it. That's it. Had the balls to do it. Just fuck it. I'm just gonna do it. And that's it. And that's what scares people because it could be anybody, anywhere, at any time. And that's why I always carry the mantra: if you're gonna get one clear cut opinion from me about all this, is that humanity sucks that's what i've learned in 34 years on this planet when i turn 64 my opinion may change i'll leave it open for discretion but right now humanity sucks i am 
not glass half full about people. Best friends turning on best friends, wives and husbands cheating on one another, slavery and genocide and books. We have books in schools filled with disgusting shit that humanity has done. I closed my doors a long time ago. I can count on one fucking hand the people that I consider close to me as far as friends. And I hold my, I could list it, my wife, my mother, my brother, my two sisters, and every, and my son, and everyone else outside of that bubble, and the five, maybe, maybe five people, like I said, I can count on one hand, that are friends of mine that I would take a fucking bullet for. They're the, I'm that close to them. Okay? Those are the people that I hold close to me. Everything else, not so much. I can be cool with you. I can hang out with you. We can be friends. We can be acquaintances. We can share a drink or two. We can fucking go out and have fun. We can work a show. We could do whatever. Okay? But those are the people that I hold close to me. And the reason for that is because I trust no one. And you shouldn't trust anyone either. Go on Facebook for two seconds. All you're here is the most negative shit of all time. The most negative shit. Social media was built for people to communicate with one another on a level that they never had before. That was the whole format. That was the whole venue for social media. Talk about Friendster, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all kinds of stupid shit. This was built so that you can reach the people you couldn't normally reach. You know, like the AOL days or AIM. It, it, you, this was a format that you could use so that humanity could have a voice. And now we hear that voice. And that voice is fucking sad. It's never really used for a lot of positive shit, is it? If you were to eliminate all of your friends that were just negative, you'd probably cut out 75% of your friends list. And that's not to say that they're negative people. They just use this format to get all their shit out. And that's my point. That's the biggest point. Humanity is shit. You can't have a free fucking thought. You can't have an opinion on nothing. You can't have a say on nothing. Everything is offensive. Everything pisses people off. I would people say, "Oh, it's a soft generation." It's not a soft generation. This is the way that it's always been. We're just finding out more about it because we have the venues to find it. Because everyone has access to 140 characters, and they can now let you know. There is no longer a need for a social experiment. Social experiments take place every two seconds. Online. That's where we are, folks. That's what reality is. Just a bunch of people living on this spinning ball, just trying to do whatever the fuck it is to get through the next fucking day. That's it. And I know this is a depressing ass way to end this shit, but again, it's opinions that I had on my mind. It's something I wanted to discuss because I just feel like I needed to take a stand on something. I needed to say something and and there it is. All that. So we will be back next Wednesday, 9 p.m., ajoum.podb.com. I promise you the next episode will be a little bit more spry. I wasn't in the best fucking mood this week. I told you, a lot of shit going on. So 
I'll be a lot perkier. On the, the, maybe it was the Heineken. Maybe I gotta stop drinking when I do this. Maybe that's what it is. I'm all I'm all inside my fucking emotions right now. But next week we're gonna be off and running. It's gonna be a lot of cool shit. I'll make some more announcements to see when we're gonna do that live interview and who we're gonna have as guests. A lot of surprises coming up. Thank you guys. You can check out the social media. All the links will be provided in the description of not only this video but on social media and of course ajoum.poppy.com. You can find episodes. So thank you so much for listening and I will catch you back on the flip side. Please listen to my husband's show.